Hello, this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. I'm Steve Poisner, healthcare consumer advocate, founder, and executive director. Our nonprofit's mission is to help you navigate the complex healthcare system and understand your legal rights, options, and opportunities when you encounter problems and obstacles. We want to empower you with the information you need to fight back and get the best possible care. Our special guests, experts in their field of healthcare and medicine, provide you with an informative, interesting, and life-changing education on a variety of healthcare topics important to you and your loved ones. In our new Fight Back mini-cast series, we take you through the highlights and great educational information from our most popular podcast topics in our very large library. Let's get started. When it comes time for someone to consider going to a physical therapist, to what extent uh, would you go for some preemptive situation like you're a senior citizen in a nursing home and you want you know, to improve your you know, stability? You know, versus do you do you mainly just go to a, to a physical therapist when you have some specific problem with pain? That's a that's an intuitive question because it does represent really the direction of the profession. Because it's if you think of a think of physical therapists, and also I also want to mention this physical therapist assistants that um, have a, a degree that doesn't require the the, the baccalaureate level, but does require a, a two-year separate uh, training course and um, certification and licensure in various states. So that is another option for people that can't devote the time to the full physical therapy education. But yes, the, the access to, um, to care before you become disabled is really... Um, I think the area that that we are we are moving in as a profession. In fact, in the state of California, they specifically added the provision of wellness to our scope of practice, which is kind of a no brainer anyway, because you're working on wellness in general when you're rehabilitating somebody. But to, to rec- recognize uh, people that have um, high risk for certain types of injuries, such as a fall risk, which you mentioned the senior population and and, and there's definitely a segment of the senior population that becomes a fall risk due to just uh, generalized weakness, due to vestibular issues, or maybe they have had some other condition that has left them a little bit compromised with that. So, so screening people appropriately uh, and 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 implementing a program to help prevent those types of things, plus just general fitness and training. Um, you know that. There's lots of personal trainers out there, not not truly a PT, but they they have their personal trainers or fitness instructors or Pilates instructors, and all those people have a place and have a role. But when you get into a physical therapist, they're actually able to assess uh, all the the interaction of a person's system. So they can take a look and see how neurologically you're doing, musculoskeletal-wise, cardiopulmonary and understand that all of those play a role in developing a, a plan for you to um, stay healthy and to, and to gain strength and mobility and balance. And they can develop a much more specialized train that, that, a, a training program that could be augmented by other non-PT professionals to help assist if, if that's where the person wants to go. But PTs really are um, probably the key uh, entity that that really can 
take a look at the the whole person and, and understand how all these different body systems uh, integrate to, to develop a program that, that is more tailored to the person. Um, now, do you need a prescription from you know a, an MD in order to get access to uh, physical therapy? Yeah, I. I have this thing against the word prescription for physical therapy. Mm -hmm. When I think of prescription, I think of a physician writing a dosage down, writing a very specific you know, frequency, a duration, and dosage down, and then saying you have to follow this. As physical therapists have moved into a doctoring profession, what you have seen is that the, the medical community recognizes their those abilities and recognizes that the physical therapists has a probably a much better idea of what interventions need to occur to achieve the goals. The physician or referral source knows that they want the person to get better, knows that they want to treat the pain, knows that they want them to be safe, uh, and knows that they want to get motivated. They don't necessarily know what interventions, what you know, physical modalities, what hands-on care that therapist has in their toolbox to get that person there. So there, what is really preferred is a referral to a physical therapist as if a physician refers somebody to a neurologist or an ophthalmologist uh, with, you know, here's the condition that we're, we want to have you address, but a prescription is not required. And to take that a step further and even getting into the little bit of the payment area, um, California, and it's true in just about every state with different limitations, California uh, passed a law about eight years ago allowing for direct access to physical therapy. And that was that was a big move. Um, there's, there's some restrictions on it, and the restrictions limit the um, somebody coming to us, let's say, off the street, that they can have 12 visits uh, if they don't have a diagnosis coming along with them, and they or they can, we can see them for 45 days for that condition. And upon that time, at the end of that period, um, we are then required to either have the person see the uh, a, a designated authorized referral source to re review and sign our plan of care to continue care, or they have to obtain a diagnosis from somebody authorized to diagnose to continue, and um, that would um, that that really allows a few things to happen for the patient to, to see the effects of the PT during that period of time to know it's useful. And also, we can go back to the, the, their primary care physician or if they have a specialist and, and work with them to let them understand the value of the PT and to get them to be part of the, the, the patient's ongoing care plan. And, and that system seems to be working. We got a, a little bit of reprieve with the pan pandemic that that face-to-face -face requirement at the end of 45 days is no longer required. It can occur in a virtual environment, but um, that that is that is still there. And and just as kind of a footnote to that, um, this direct access, according to our nation's largest uh, provider of malpractice insurance, has not resulted in any increase in malpractice claims or judgments against physical therapists for providing care that is inappropriate in a direct access environment. So it's really kind of showing that the, the therapists are capable of determining what is appropriate for that patient that sees them off the street. And and importantly, to recognize red flags when a patient really has something going on that needs to go to a physician immediately. And that, that's that's part of our training. Although 
we're not authorized to diagnose disease. We are authorized to diagnose conditions and diagnose um, uh, impairments to, to a person's function. So uh, this direct access has, has really been a, a, a boon for, for access for patients and, and for therapists. So uh, in, in my you know, research for this podcast, you know, I was you know, uncovering you know, all these problems still with insurance companies you know, uh, paying for physical therapy in a, in a timely manner. You know, as, as the former insurance commissioner of California, I'm super interested in, you know, in situations where in, in, there may be issues you know, with insurance companies uh, you know, paying for, you know, the, the right kind of treatment in a timely way. So what's been your experience out there, you know, with insurance companies and, and, and paying timely? Yeah. And what's interesting on that point is that, um, the Affordable Care Act has defined what essential benefits are and physical therapy rehabilitation is, is classified as an essential benefit, which means that the health plans have to, include a uh, benefit um, for for therapy and it doesn't stay you know it's based upon what what's what plans are are the model plans for each state as to what they constitute as adequate therapy but plans have that and individuals have a certain number of visits or uh, pre-approved or predefined care in their benefit pu- uh, policy that may say you know they are allowed 20 visits per episode of care or they're allowed 30 visits per year or something along that line. And the problem that we are seeing is that access to benefits that are defined in a person's plan are being limited because there's a superimposed um, utilization management uh, process that occurs that not that when a, let's say a physician uh, uh, requests physical therapy and knows that the person needs it, they person goes to physical therapy, the therapist does the evaluation, develops a plan of care, but yet then they have to go through another process through the insurance company to access the benefits that that uh, that client or that patient has paid for, either themselves or through their employer plan. And it's like there's a third set of eyes that's sitting there determining medical necessity for something that others have already approved. And back to the point where we talked about delayed access to care leads to more complications and, and a slower return to, to function, that, that that phase or that added administrative burden is, is totally unnecessary. It makes no sense, but it's being imposed to try to curtail cost and access. So, so just as an example, in California, we have a Assembly Bill 1468 by Assemblymember Cunningham right now that limits the abilities for those payers to intervene in the first 12 visits because we're showing that there's an average number of visits that are that occur anyway, and why why put steps into delay access? In addition to that, the process to get those visits approved has most of the time been done through a computer algorithm that isn't really followed by uh, or overseen by an individual who, in the end, is a medical professional um, of like or, or similar physician or physical therapist or occupational therapist that actually approves what the computer is spitting out. So we, we want to kind of get more transparency here and say, hey, you know, you've got medical professionals, professionals saying that this person needs care and you have a patient that has a defined benefit plan that says they're entitled to that care. Why are we putting this administrative burden? Why are we adding this cost to the system by having another third party entity 
intervene to delay access. So it is a problem there. And I think, I think, um, I mean, it, you layer that on top of the fact that payers seem to be paying less and less for therapy over years and not recognizing the value. It's not, it's, it's not boding well for where we, where we need to go to order to get people, you know, back to, uh, back to a healthy lifestyle and to avoid more costly interventions. We need that access. I want to thank you for listening to today's Fight Back minicast. You can listen to the full podcast on this topic or check out additional podcasts by going to our website at www.healthcareconsumerrights.org. We also welcome your input and stories that we can use on future podcasts. This is Steve Poisner, and this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. Thanks for listening. I look forward to our next podcast. Talk with you soon.